Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. But we are two friends who love to talk about serums. And here we are, together at last, Kate and Dory. Dory and Kate. <laughs> Dor Kate? Oh, God. Dory? Kador? How come we have never discussed what our couple name would be? Carrie? Corey? Corey. <laughs> it would be Corey. K-O-R-E-E. Oh. Or Kari. Kari, yeah. Or oh. Katri. No. <laughs> I kind of like Corey. Corey, yeah. It's no Brangelina or Benifer. Those were the days, huh? Oh, Mid-aughts yeah. with those names. That doesn't really happen much anymore. That's true. The combining of celebrity couple names. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I, I shed a tear for a time gone by. Indeed. Dory, how are you? You know, I am doing pretty well. 
Uh, I believe I am in my third trimester. Whoa, you've crossed that threshold. I have crossed the third trimester threshold in the blink of an eye. I mean, not really, but. It is going by fast. It is suddenly going by fast. Yeah, it is a little like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And now I like fully look pregnant. I will say this is true. Someone who sees you multiple times a week. All of a sudden, like last week, it yeah. was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got a human in there. You've got like just, you know, this jumpsuit that you're wearing, let's say, which mm. was once just very flowy on you. Mm. Now it's uh, it's tightening up on that belly. But otherwise, I'm doing well. I've been cooking. You've been truly living your best life. I really feel like I'm living my best life. You made this crockpot honey chicken. Yes. Which we will... Share the recipe. Well, we share. It's not my recipe, but do you have it to yeah, share? Yeah, I do have it to share. I will share it with our listeners. It looks delicious. It does. It it was delicious. And then I was like, you know what? What am I going to do with this shredded chicken? I know. I'll make a. I'll make rice bowls. Mm. So I made some jasmine rice, and I gotta say, the the rice turned out perfectly oh, sticky, like a sticky jasmine rice. Just a teensy bit sticky, not too sticky. Okay. 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 All right. Not too sticky. <laughs> I'm getting side-eyed. <laughs> and then I just sauteed some broccoli, peppers, and uh, edamame, mm. shelled edamame yep. with some garlic and ginger and just a touch of soy sauce. And then I just threw everything together. I have leftovers for days. That's I the mean, way to do it's it. Really, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> it's really great. So I'm I'm feeling good. And, you know, we're really entering the nesting phase. We finally got rid of the couch that was in the living room so we could move everything else around. Your home is shifting. My home is shifting, indeed. Make the ba- making room for the baby is happening. It is fully happening. Mm. Um, it's starting to feel like, okay, I think we might be able to actually make things work. Um, we still have a lot to get rid of, but the process has been set in motion. And it feels like it's it's not it, it had been feeling completely insurmountable. And now it's feeling like, okay, this is gonna be a lot of work, but we're doing it. Um I also condoed my books. Yeah, I loved the um the way you did it. Can you wanna share for excuse me, local listeners, LA listeners? Yes. I found this organization called Rebook It which is affiliated with the last bookstore in LA. Which and is the best bookstore. Which is an so amazing oh bookstore in downtown LA. And their goal is to, I'm quoting from the website, to provide low-cost books and raise funds for local libraries, charities, hospitals, and schools. Um, and they do that. I think they donate some of the books directly to these places. And then they also sell some of them at the last bookstore and use those funds to give to these um, organizations. So I'm feeling good about that. They emailed me the other day to say that I would be contacted by the person who was going to be picking them up. I have yet to be contacted, but I'm confident that it will happen. Um, There's also some like controversy on Twitter about getting rid of books. Like someone tweeted, this tweet went viral and someone had tweeted like, don't listen to... um, don't listen to Marie Kondo about books, like have as many books as you want. And then there were some people who were like, hey, I live in a really small apartment and I'd love to be able to have enough room to have as many books as I want. But like, that's just not possible for me. And like some people were like, if I want to get rid of my books, I'll get rid of my books. And, you know, I think that the nice thing about Marie Kondo is like, 
It's not about the purge is not the primary emphasis. It's more about thinking about what you're keeping. Interesting. You know? So it's not about the what what you're letting go so much is what stays behind. Yes. It's it's making the conscious choice to keep everything that you've decided to keep. So I went through all of my books. I went shelf by shelf. And That's a lot of work. Yeah. Did you hold each book in your hands and like pause with it? I didn't take too long, but you know, there were some that were tough choices, yeah. but there were also ones that I had never read and that I had kept for years being like, I'll read this uh-huh, someday. Uh-huh. And I was finally like, I'm never going to read this book. Let's be real here. So that felt good to get rid of. Also, you're those. passing it out into the world to somebody who might read. Like, you know what I mean? Totally. Someone's going to pick it up. Totally. Um, so, yeah. So I'm feeling good about that. And I consolidated. I had two kind of small bookshelves in my office. And those are now clear and all the books are now on the bookshelves in the living room. So that feels good too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm feeling good about that. Um, and also related to books. Yes. I compl- I mean, I said I was ma- mispronouncing his name last week or two weeks ago, whenever this was, but I completely mispronounced Michael Andachi's name. Okay. That is how you say it. The author of Warlight. Also, he, another correction, he is Sri Lankan, not African. You not said he South was from African. South Africa. Yes, I said okay. he was from South Africa. He is Sri Lankan. I regret the error. Well, I appreciate you clarifying well, that. Well, thank you. How are you doing and what have you been up to? Well, you know, basically two things. Trying to solve my back pain and devouring the book series that I now talk about on every episode of this podcast because it's taken over my life. Mm -hmm. And all I do is walk around either listening to the book or reading the book. Mm. It's really all I'm up to right now. Okay. (laughs) In addition to like working and parenting and like, you know, living all the million other things that you do, all the other things I do, but in in the quiet, like I, uh, you know, there are TV series I want to watch not happening. Um, I did spend a day at our favorite local spot. When did you go? Sunday. Oh. This weekend. Lovely. I, you know, I was really kind of struggling to make t- not even just time for myself to like go relax. Yeah. But I wanted to be, I wanted to write and it is, it has very hard for me to write when my family is around me. My husband is able, who is also a writer, is able to sit at our dining room table while our kids are like prancing in circles and like do his work and work on th- things. And I, I cannot. Wow. He can really like shut everything He's else all, out. He can do that. He could do that before we had kids. It's not, um, he is able to just have a laser beam focus. Whereas I am distracted by social media, by our family, by the, by TV. I, everything is a distraction for me. So I actually went to, um, a Korean spa that I love here in Los Angeles. I did the day pass and I just, you know, I, for like 20 bucks or whatever it is, I soaked and saunaed and I took a nap, which is my favorite activity. And then I just worked. I just needed to like get out of the house. I didn't want to go to a coffee shop. I wanted to be somewhere I could sit for seven hours. I love this so much. There are other people. The first time I went there, I did not realize it was a place I could go with my computer. There's a little cafe. Mm-hmm. And so I went and sat in there and wrote for a couple hours but it really is a place where like you can go do anything, journal, you can work. Yeah. And I don't think they have Wi-Fi. They do in the cafe. Oh, they do. Okay. But I wasn't, I didn't feel like I needed to get on it. And the nice thing was for me, it was not, um, 
a place where I feel like I had to get out. You know, you know that the feeling of a coffee shop where you're like, oh gosh, they can see I finished my coffee. Right. I got to order something new or like you get the to-go cup so it looks like you're still drinking it. I mean, the other place I go when I need to get worked in is the library. Yeah. Um, I use our local public libraries all the time, but I just, I also wanted to soak in a hot bath for my back because I'm Mm. dealing with back pain. Mm. But I will tell you, I've kind of transferred my desire to get jacked onto my desire to solve my back pain and I'm doing all these things and it feels better and it feels like it's very satisfying to like try to care for myself and see progress. Yeah. I'm working on it. I'm so glad to hear that. Every night I get in a bed with my heating pad for a couple minutes. Mm. I read the aforementioned Throne of Glass book series for a while. Mm. And I just, you know, I'm working on it. It's been interesting. It slowed me down. I've changed kind of my fitness regimen. And I am really just trying to focus on healing my bod. Yeah. So. Heal your bod in 2019. (laughs) Heal your bod. Heal your bod. Heal your bod is maybe a, a... more positive goal than like tone your body, mm. heal your body. I mean, what does the healing mean anyway to any of us, right? Who knows? It means whatever you want it to mean, Kate. Well, for me, it means I would really like to not have pain in my lower left back slash hip. Yeah. Anyway. After one of my, I think it was my one of my egg retrievals and I was like in a lot of pain, Matt got me a heated throw. Oh, tell me that about that. Do you still own it? extremely cozy. I do. I could unearth it for you. Would you like to borrow it? I'm curious. I don't need to. I don't need you to dig around for it, but I'd be curious. It, a heated blanket, essentially. Yeah, but it's not as big as a blanket. So you just like kind of wrap it around your feet? You know, to be, like, it, was, it was great for me to like lie on the couch mm-hmm. and just kind of cozy up with a nice heated throw. I think you got to save it for yourself and bust it out this winter. Of course, my dog was like, oh, that looks nice. <laughs> well, I, I've like tried to get my dog onto the heating pad because I'm like, you are going to freak out once you realize there's like a heated <laughs> bed in this area for, that was like your body size, but she has yet to have the courage to climb on. Well, her loss. Right? Yeah. Ding dong. <laughs> well, anyway, Dory. Yes. Let's take a quick break. Okay. 
keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or, or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get oh, into okay, it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh god, like get this off of me." <laughs> No, thank once you. Once you once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast, but I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like 
on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 Lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with glorious dynam. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. So... We wanted to talk about organization. We actually received a couple listener emails or voicemails asking us to talk about the systems we use to stay organized. And my response was, LOL, what systems? (laughs) I'm as disorganized as all out. All out? I mean, I don't know. You are and you aren't. Yes, that has been the curse of my life anyway. But we'll talk about that in this conversation. Um, but I do think we each do have various tools we use. Yes, we do. To try to stay organized. Yes. I'm just thinking, <laughs> like, I'm I'm usually pretty on top of things. And then we had a call this morning that I had completely forgotten about. And Kate referred to it. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, got a, I got a panic, to, not a panic, but you were an email that was like, what call? And then a text that was like, I'm confused. <laughs> Normally, I'm the one who's confused. It was on our calendar, which was the weird thing. It was. And I even looked on our calendar. But sometimes you just get the mental block where you're like... And I thought it's ironic that we're talking about organization today. Well, can I actually start by telling you one thing I have set up? Please. So I now have... Uh, my I, so we both use Google Calendar individually. Mm-hmm. We also use it as a team. Yeah. So we are um, we have a shared Forever Thirty Five Google Calendar. I also have access to my husband's Google Calendar, mm-hmm. and he has mine, so we can always be on top of stuff. And then you and I both That's know right. when each other is busy. Yes, we don't see what we're doing. Right. But in my calendar, Dory is in yellow. You're in orange. Oh, that's nice. Mm. So it's, it is nice to yeah. keep track of people that way. Um, but what I've started doing is I have Google Calendar send me every morning my schedule and oh, an email. Yeah. And I look at it. And what I've had to do is I save all the Forever th- 35 appointments also in my personal Google Calendar. So that all comes through. So that way, every morning, you know, when I'm awake and checking my phone, mm-hmm. I open that email just to remind myself what's... You going know, on I each day. I theoretically have that set up and I never look at it. 
Dory might I suggest. Maybe I should just look at it. It's like my agenda. It is. It's actually very yeah. nice. You get a syllabus every day. Yeah. Hmm. So that is one thing that I use Google Calendar for in right. addition to just managing my schedule. Yep. Which still feels like if I don't put something in Google Calendar, it is gone from my brain. Oh, same. It's really bad. And I have to put it in like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've definitely have missed stuff if, if I think I'm remembering it yeah. and then I forget at the last minute. I do not find that Google Calendar is so great about general reminders, though. No, I don't either, which is a challenge. I wish it was it better. It is. Yeah. What do you use for general reminders? Do you set little alarms for yourself? It depends what it is. If it's something like sometimes I'll put like an all day right. thing that's like a reminder of something or if like something is due on that day. Mm -hmm. But just like general tasks of what I have to do throughout the day, I don't use Google Calendar for that. Do you one thing I also have started doing in Google Calendar is setting like t alerts so that I know when something is coming up. Do yeah. you do that? Because I also forget. I have a I have half an hour before and 10 minutes before. I think I have one day, one hour and five minutes. That's how kind of forgetful I feel. Yeah. Bully. And those have saved me a couple times. Like totally. even though I have stuff on my calendar, I'll just get in the zone of doing something else. And then the little notification will pop up and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I do have that thing. Definitely. In half an hour. So I, I think we... People, oh, another thing oh. that I do on Google Calendar, mm -hmm. sorry, just to add no, to in. this, um, I add the classes that I'm doing on ClassPass or at my gym or anywhere else that I book classes from, I immediately add them to my personal calendar. Oh, I have a standing Saturday 8am Pilates in my calendar, even when I don't get go to the class mm -hmm. or make it in, it's just in there. And that's more so like, when my husband goes to look at something, yes. it's like, Hey, I'm already booked. Right. Dude. Right. And so there aren't, there are a couple classes that I do try to go to every week. One of which is this prenatal yoga class on Tuesday mornings. Very nice. And I just added that as a weekly thing to the calendar. So I think in large part, so you and I would know. Yeah, that's your time. That's my time. Don't book anything in this time. And same for me, like don't book anything in this time because otherwise I would just forget. I also, if I don't, I have found that putting something into my calendar makes me stick to it. I, I, I should try this. I am kind of trying to start writing first thing in the morning very early. I haven't, I haven't moved this into a calendar zone, but I will put an exercise class in even if I'm not signed up for like, this is my time to go for a walk or like totally. my time to read whatever it is. I yes. try to schedule it so that it becomes a habit for me. I mean, the planner that I, that best self planner that I bought, that was too overwhelming. Did for you, me. did that fall by the wayside? For yeah. You? It was okay. just like too much. I see how it could be very useful if I were just sort of in a slightly different frame of mind. Okay. But it was it was like a little too intense for what I wanted to do. But one of their whole things is that, and this was one of the things that was too intense for me, that might not be too intense for someone else. They basically want you to schedule like every half hour of your day. Yes. And I couldn't figure it out. It was too much. Yeah. And it's like, in theory, yes. But in practice, that emphasis on productivity gets me depressed feels very capitalist Ooh. well it also i find if i don't stick to it would start getting into like the shame spiral in my head yeah and so that it was helpful. just like too much to try to like 
plan every minute of my day yeah. from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. Well, this is the first year I haven't bought myself some sort of like paper planner mm -hmm. because I buy them. I bought two last year and and they ultimately were not helpful yeah. for me. I, I hear you. So I think I'm 2019. My resolution, no paper planners. Wait, but how is Wonderlist going so, for you? Wonderlist is an app that I use on my phone and my computer and it syncs and it's a list essentially it's a list making app. And so I use it for to do's. It's I would say it's going okay. I need to have a list of things I have to do somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I've tried Google Tasks and that didn't really work for me. I've tried handwriting it that I kind of just lose it or I need it. All, I, I'm so digitally wired now. Mm -hmm. I need it on a device, especially because, you know, I work from home, but I'm often commuting all over the city yeah. or I'm like at my kid's gymnastics class. Like I need to be able to always have access to this kind of stuff at all time. So Wonderlist so far has been the best solution. It is not perfect. Mm. There are things about it that don't work for me. You can't color code, which is very helpful mm -hmm. for me visually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, Dory. I have a hard time dividing my to-do list. Like, for example, I have immediate to-dos, Forever 35, Forever 35 guests. But I feel like if I don't have it all in one con like one list, yeah. I'm not clicking around. So I don't know if someone has a better to-do list solution. I would love to hear it. Or another app. I've tried a bunch of apps, too. And this is kind of the most, the one that has worked with my brain. Because mm -hmm. I really think that's it with these. There are totally. 8 million productivity apps. Yes. It's finding the one that works with how you are wired. Yeah. And I think when we were trying to figure out something that would work for both of us in terms of organization for the podcast, we tried a couple of things and we landed on Trello because... That was the one that kind of seemed to work for both of us, the way that we operate. And I actually really like Trello. We've stuck yeah, with too. it. It's been, it's been pretty, cons again, there are things we change. But I think for like what we needed it for, Trello is the best. It's great. But I don't use any type of app like that for my personal organization. So where does all that live for you? Because the thought of it not living somewhere immediately gives me heart palpitations. So... Some of it lives in Google Calendar. Mm -hmm. And then I also, the thing that I found to actually be the most effective for me is keeping a notepad by my bed. And every night I kind of do a brain dump of the stuff I need to do the next day. Okay. Again, not a perfect scenario because I also don't take the list with me. I look at it when I get up. I'm like, oh, right, I have to do that. And then at the end of the day, I cross it out. So I'm sort of relying, I'm like writing it down and then relying on the fact that I wrote it down to remember. Mm -hmm. Kind of puts it into your brain. Kind of puts it into my brain. Um, and that has actually been good. Like That's that has amazing. been working for me. And again, I have tried, I, I want to be a person who has a, a pretty bullet journal. Me too. It just has never worked. And same with paper planners. And, and so... Thus far, having just a paper to-do list is the thing that helps me, especially with like tasks, mm -hmm. like, oh, I need to go to the bank tomorrow. I need to mail that thing. I need like those kinds of things are the things I write down. But then I will also write down like, oh, I never emailed that person back. Mm, yeah. Now, email is another thing that is like... You're really good at it. Really? I find you you respond and reply... And often I'll get a reply from you. I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't replied to that email yet. Well, 
my email strategy is mostly reply immediately. Yeah. Because if I don't, it ends up getting lost. The same. I will star. I will sometimes star things and then go back and look at the stars and make sure that I replied to things. If it's something that like requires a longer reply that I don't have time to reply to, sometimes I will do that. I mostly try to respond right away. My husband is like an amazing inbox zero person. Oh, I am not. He files everything and then anything he needs to respond to stays in his inbox. And he also sends himself like to do emails. And that's how he remembers what to do. Oh, wow. So his email inbox is kind of like part to do list, part like emails that need replying. And then he just files everything. So he only has like three emails at a time. It isn't. It's like truly. I mean, this is just his brain. Right. Whereas me. I'll just keep bulk archiving stuff to pretend I'm at inbox zero and then it builds up to a thousand emails. Oh, I have so many emails in my inbox. It's awful. And I I haven't found a good, like a good folder system. I just can't, I, I want it so badly. I, w- I actually but I wish Gmail had folders. Me too. Like I know that that was some decision that they made a long time ago that they were just going to use these labels, but I, I would prefer that they have folders. Yes. Like that you could just... I don't know. Mr. And Mrs. Google, are you listening? (laughs) Um, Fix it. And I know that you can set up a filter so stuff gets labeled and then it skips the inbox. But it's like if something's already in the inbox and you want it. Anyway, you get it. I get it. Um, Just want it to be easy. You want the free email that you use. Exactly. To be easy. Um, But, you know, you brought up your husband Mm -hmm. and it's been interesting for me being married to someone who is not like my husband has ADHD and has trouble with kind of executive functioning type stuff. Yeah. And so it's sometimes been frustrating for me as someone who doesn't have those issues to kind of figure out how to like, how we can kind of be on the same page. Um, We have a count. We have like a dry erase calendar in our kitchen that I update every month and that I, he, tries to add stuff to I put like the stuff we have to do together then I also add that stuff to my Google calendar and add him to those invites does he use a Google calendar no he uses iCal um but you can invite someone from iCal to an event and it shows up we also have dry erase boards I thought this would be a great way to like keep everybody on the same page yeah and instead it kind of started to feel like Oh, another thing I have to do. Mm. I have a monthly and a weekly. Um, we stopped using our weekly. Oh, it was like, God, really? Again? We? Oh, yeah. We know we have gymnastics on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but I will say my eight-year-old child loves filling them out. I've so, noticed yeah, this. Yeah, you've seen it. My <laughs> it's house. very cute. So I let that be her responsibility. Oh, smart. Because she actually does put, she puts all the things that like our family has to do. Yeah. She's not putting like my work meetings, but. Sure. You know, she's putting ballet. She's putting, She you put know, Santa was coming. I know. She she loves putting really like, holiday content. So I have handed that off to my child who enjoys, who has asked, who asks to do it and like decorates and it's become a thing. She, it's a thing she likes to do. I wouldn't make her do it if she didn't like it. Um, but yeah, I realized very quickly, like this isn't, I've just loaded myself down with more mm-hmm. labor. Right. And the whole point I feel like of trying to figure out our organizational systems is to remove the unnecessary, like added layers of. Yes. Mental labor. What about organization like in your home? Well, as we've talked about on this podcast, um, 
that is a challenge. That's mm-hmm. been a challenge for me my whole life, organization, mess, um, knowing where things are, all that stuff. Um, and a few things I have found. One, I also dealt with a horrible kitchen moth infestation. Oh, yes. So one of the things that has actually really helped is moving all my food storage into like nice airtight containers Mm. because I did have a lot of containers I bought at like the dollar store. Yes. And it turns out, unfortunately, those are not, those do not work, especially when when you have bugs trying to eat your grains. So I invested in click clack kitchen storage. Click clack. Click clack. I, I researched, I looked at OXO. It turns out the click clack got a little bit of better reviews okay. from what I read. So I spent a pretty penny on a ton of these containers. But it helped. It helped. My kitchen moth situation is under control. <gasps> Yay. If you've had kitchen moths. I had kitchen moths in my old apartment and it was very annoying. And then I also had them in my closet and they ate through Ugh. a lot of my wool stuff. Well, and those kinds of moths are different. I had both. Yeah, I've had both too. Um, they still appear in my closet occasionally, but the kitchen ones I have gotten under control. And oh, I really good. do think it is um, part of this system. The other thing I have learned, like my whole closet is now binned. I have a lot of like shoes, um, shoe storage containers that I bought at Ikea mm-hmm. and then clear plastic bins um, and also shelf dividers, all of which I have mm-hmm. purchased at the container store. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to say this. I hate spending money at the container store because it feels you're just like all of a sudden hundreds of dollars have slipped out of your fingers. But I will say it has been a fantastic investment in that the things I have purchased are durable. Mm -hmm. They actually do keep me organized and they last. And I'm saying this as someone who loves the fricking Dollar Tree and bought a ton of bins at the Dollar Tree only to have them essentially deteriorate on me in months I hear you. The frustrating part of all of this is the financial investment has paid off because otherwise I would be buying, you know, we all know I'm a fan of Ikea. Yeah, sure. Even, even bins I bought at Costco. This feels sacrilegious to say. I bought bins for our player at Costco. They did not hold up. Now, obviously Costco didn't make them, but But they sold them, but I was disappointed. So I have had the best luck at container store in terms of like, Closet organization. Oh, I'm jumping all over the place. My linen closet is Ikea. Yes, I remember yes, that. That's been great. Um, but my clothing closet, drawers, um, and kitchen stuff, I've all gotten a container store and bathroom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about you? You also have gone the bin route. I like a bin. Where did you do your bin purchasing? Just the ye old Target? I think most of our bins came from Target, yes. But I have been on the drawer organizer train for a long time. Yeah, I still am trying to figure that out. I love drawer organizers. Like a drawer divider? Yes. Yes. And they they like they they stretch. Mm-hmm. So they stretch to the size of your drawer. It helps keep my t-shirts organized. It's so it's, helpful. It's the best. My bras, my underwear, like I love drawer organizers. If you're not using drawer organizers, get with the program. That's all. That's all well, I'm saying. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Um, but you know, my husband are both. My husband and I are both kind of naturally cluttered people. Same. Same with me and my husband. And it's just it's just a constant struggle. Like every surface, every table becomes a repository for 
papers, mail, crap, mm-hmm. just just things. And I know that the way to deal with this stuff, similar to my email strategy, where I respond immediately, the way to deal with this is to put everything away immediately. And I just don't. And I think part of it is I don't have a place for everything. Same. And so recently when we've been really trying to clean up the house, like the dining room table is just covered in stuff. And my quote unquote solution (laughs) for the stuff that didn't get thrown out, I was like, oh, okay, I'll just put this in my office. In a pile on my desk. Right. You, you your know? pile just <laughs> finds a new home. Yes. Yeah. The pile just just migrated. Um, so I would I would really like to get better at this. I would too. And but one thing I have been thinking about is kind of like the Marie Kondo Netflix show takes the world by storm. Mm-hmm. Following the book taking the world by storm. Yes. There is a I, I do really firmly believe that like clutter does contribute to your own emotional stress. Yes. But there is also a part of me of like, this is now added work that that we are somehow feeling like we have to mm-hmm. do this kind of like home purge. And does it bring us like, you know, I thought about it, you know, I was like, should I be I should empty out my closet and, you know, purge everything. But then there was another part of me was like, I don't I don't have the time to do that right now. Like, yeah. I don't need this added pressure that I'm somehow putting on myself of like, I've also got to be in addition to all the pressures we put on ourselves i've also got to be like the most organized minimalistic totally. person. totally and i hear that but i do find that all the clutter and all the disorganization does stress me out more. i'm with you i'm with you it is a practice it is a practice it is a process it is a journey it is a journey friends come along with us <laughs> we're gonna take a break Our guest today is Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth, welcome to Forever 35. Thank you so much for having me. We're very excited to hear your many thoughts today on the podcast. I'm going to make that reference a hundred (laughs) times. I will too. (laughs) Um, But before we get started, I would love to read a lovely bio for you. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes is a veteran multimedia reporter with experience in print, online radio, and television journalism. She began her journalism career as an on-air correspondent for a television station in Michigan's Upper Peninsula and later became a general assignment reporter at at a suburban Chicago newspaper. She spent more than a decade on staff at the Wall Street Journal, most recently as a senior style reporter and columnist focusing on fashion, beauty, and lifestyle trends. Since leaving that position in 2017, her work has appeared in a host of national outlets such as the New York Times, InStyle, Town and Country, and Vogue International. She is also the creator of the popular Instagram stories series, So Many Thoughts, which offers tutorial commentary on the royal family. She was born and raised in the Midwest, made a home on the East Coast, and is now giving the West Coast a chance. So she is conveniently in our time zone. We love that. We love that. (laughs) That's me. Wow. (laughs) So we're so glad to have you on the podcast. Uh, We both follow you actively on Instagram. Indeed. And um, you have become known as, I would say, a royal expert. Well, I call myself a royal enthusiast. And I will say that this whole so many thoughts business started... (laughs) as a way to entertain myself more than anything. Um, and it's really taken on a life of its own. So yes, at this point, I would say I have become somewhat of an expert. For, <laughs> on at least 
Megan and Kate. For our listeners who might not be familiar with your Instagram, can you just briefly describe what So Many Thoughts is? Um, sure, absolutely. So I, um, every time Megan or Kate makes an appearance on Instagram stories, I take a picture of what they're wearing and I annotate it. And hopefully um, it's not just, you know, whether I like an outfit or not, but to provide a little bit of context into what they're wearing, why they might be wearing it, whether it fits or not, whether it's appropriate for the occasion. Um, so it's just a fun, entertaining, and hopefully informative Instagram story series that um, that I do. And we should clarify for listeners who might not be royally obsessed. <laughs> we are talking about Meghan Markle and Kate Middleton. Are they both duchesses? They are. Okay. They are indeed. They are not princesses, which everybody wants to call them such, but they are technically duchesses. Now, how did your personal fascination with the royal family and also royal fashion start? I mean, I know it's it's your background, um, but was it always kind of a passion for you? Um, I got married in 2011, which is when Kate and William got married. And I would say that was when my interest in the royal family started. I wasn't somebody who sort of followed along. I do remember where I was when Princess Diana died, um, but I had never been sort of a close follower of the royal families um, until their wedding because I was planning my wedding and their wedding was, um, you know, obviously a spectacular, romantic, watch around the world event. And I sort of kept tabs on Kate and what she was up to. Um, and then the birth of Prince George, obviously, and Princess Charlotte. And then it was, I mean, it was such a flip. I was um, home for the winter holidays last year, um, and I happened to be breastfeeding my second son. And um, nursing moms know you spend a tremendous amount of time staring at your phone. Mm -hmm. You spend a tremendous amount of time nursing. And um, Kate and William's holiday card popped up on my Instagram feed, and I just thought to myself, I have so many thoughts about this. Like I just, I saw the picture and I just, I was like, okay, um, let's, let me try and do this. And I've, I've, I've long admired people who can do creative ways of storytelling, especially on social media. I feel like, um, these are vehicles for us as journalists to try different things, new things. And so I did this three slide progression where the first was just the picture of the card and the second was, annotated with my thoughts and then the third is sort of a but mostly takeaway and I've never gotten a response like I got to that picture and that sort of series and shortly after that Megan and Harry released their official engagement photos and I don't know if you remember those I'm right now so swoon worthy right and I and people were like do you have thoughts about this and I was like oh, of course I do um, and then it just sort of took off. I mean, the royals are really busy. They're out there trying to maintain the relevancy of this very, very old-fashioned institution. And Megan and Kate are sort of breathing a new life into it. And unlike a celebrity where they have, you know, most celebrities have jobs, right? They're an actor or a musician. They're, the only problem of the royals is to, like, make an appearance on behalf of a cause. And what I say to people who argue, you know, why do you care so much about what they're wearing? A lot of times, you know, I mean, most of us will never encounter a royal in person in our lives. You know, that's just not in the cards for most people. But the pictures of them are blasted around the world, you know, the minute they step out of the car. And so what we see first is their clothing. And their clothing is meant to send a message. These women choose their designers very carefully. They choose their, their whole ensemble, you know, down to their shoes and their jewelry is meant to send a message. So I think it's very 
worthy of dissection. This is my like bias coming into it as a person who has written about my mom passing away, but I'm fascinated about when Kate and Megan like send a nod to Diana's style. And I think that just happened with Megan recently. She mixed like red and purple. And then I saw, you know, pictures of Diana and she mixed those colors. And I'm wondering, are all those in your professional opinion, conscious choices? Oh, very much so. I mean, on tour, Megan, when Megan was touring um, Australia um, late last year, she wore Diana's butterfly earrings. And, you know, that sort of choice, as someone also who has lost her mom, I think about those messages you can send and what a moment that is for Harry, right? To be able to share something like that of his mother, you know, with his new bride who never had the chance to meet her. Um, I think it's incredibly meaningful. Um, Mm. Me too. I have chills. You also do a great job of showing how the royals dress for the slideshow. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think people don't understand that there's like a real art to styling. And any Hollywood stylist you talk to will, you know, will sort of walk you through the progression of, you know, whether it's um, a costume designer on a show and they're developing a character or, you know, you're taking an actress throughout the red carpets of award season. You know, they're working very hard to to send a message, to build a brand, to develop a theme. And the women that work uh, with the royals are doing that same thing. And I would, I would argue that Megan in her past as an actress on a long-running television show, she knows this better than anyone. She knows the power of this. And so her choices are star building. And, um, you know, you saw right out of the gate when she officially became a royal, she wore like a series of blush dresses. And I, and a lot of the rest of the world was like, how long can this continue? She just was sort of wearing iterations on a theme. It was all like a blush dress. And then she sort of expanded out, but she kept the boat neck. And so she was, she wore a boat neck Dior, a Navy Dior. And then she wore a boat neck, um, beautiful Marigold Brandon Maxwell shift dress. And so she was just, she's sort of crafting her royal image very carefully. And there's a lot of kind of obvious <laughs> um, themes in the way that she dresses. I would say, um, Kate, you mentioned the, the red and purple, that, you know, the moments where she sort of departs from that, um, from her usual, like the red and purple we saw her in, uh, they just stand out immediately because you're like, oh, gosh, you sort of sit up and pay notice. And they know that, too. You know, I mean, this is this is all part. Nothing from the royals, nothing the royals do happens by accident. Can I ask you... Um a question kind of specifically about the following the Royals as a form of self-care. I know you've touched on fandom and the Royals as self-care, and I'm curious kind of how, what do you think it is that draws people to kind of consume the existence of the Royal family in a way that like offers some self-soothing? Well, I have to thank you guys for, for that like aha moment because I, have always paid attention to the Royals. And when I started doing SMT and people, you know, were coming to me and they're saying, oh my goodness, thank you for this. You know, it's such a respite from the news cycle. I need to sort of escape for a second. And I was like, we all do. And then you guys came out with this fandom as a form of self-care. And I was like, that's exactly what this is. It's, it's allowing yourself to get really excited or really interested in something that, that just feels like an escape, that it feels like like 
I mean, we all are following the news out of Washington and it's unavoidable, but sometimes you just want to lose yourself in the glamour and the sort of pageantry of something else. And I think the Royals do that spectacularly well. I mean, they're, they're, they're not all that fashion forward, so they're never going to have a huge miss. You know, they're still very glamorous and put together. And so there's always enough there to kind of talk about. And I think people see them as just a respite. I know I do. And that's what I've heard from a lot of my followers. And you're coming, you're coming from this as a person who worked as a political campaign reporter too. So you've been in the (laughs) thick of like day to day breaking news. Were they, were they a break for you at all times or how did you kind of come to them? You know, I mean, I think that I, you know, I covered the 2008 presidential campaign, which you know, back then it was <laughs> it was first Mitt Romney that I followed, and then John McCain and Sarah Palin, and everyone said, "Well, it's never going to get crazier than Sarah Palin," <laughs> which is hilarious because looking back, that feels very quaint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but even then, you know, I mean, when you're in it and in the thick of it, you're constantly looking for like little just moments where you can take a breather from it, and I think that mindset um, as a news reporter for so long was really important to me. You know, I mean, the idea to unplug or, you know, lose yourself in a book or a television show as a journalist, and especially when I was like on the breaking news beat, that was really important to me to be able to kind of give my brain a break (laughs) and, and just relax and enjoy something. And it's funny because I think what the Royals have done with Megan in particular, they've brought a whole new audience um, to the royal family. A lot of people I hear from say, you know, before Megan hit the scene, I wasn't interested. You know, obviously Kate has a ton of fans out there and people who have followed her for a long time. Megan is so relatable to so many people. And that was a, <laughs> she, was a, she was a television star before, you know, so she wasn't necessarily like one of us, but she's American. She's biracial. She's divorced. You know, I mean, she had a lot of things and a lot of touch points that a lot of people identified with. And so I think what she's done in her, by joining the royal family, she's brought a whole new crowd um, to follow along with everything. And I've, I really enjoyed that. What are some other forms of self-care that you practice besides your royals fandom? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, <laughs> I like sleep. <laughs> uh-huh. I have an 18-month-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old. And... Um, I enjoy, you know, the weekend nap because I also take a weekend nap. I feel like sleeping is one of my favorite things to do. Um, I'm trying, you guys talk a lot about, you know, like a better bedtime routine. And that's something I really aspire to. Um, never been one who's been great at journaling. I have a hard time with the process of it. I don't know. I can't, I, I, I write, as a journalist, I write stuff that people are meant to read. And so, something that's private for me, I kind of struggle with. But the idea of like reading a book before bed um, is something that I'm trying to do a little bit more of. Um, And then skincare stuff, (laughs) like a great face mask. Um, Those 10 minutes go a really long way for me because I feel like it's, it's just, I can close my bathroom door and be like, everybody can wait for 10 minutes while mom does this. Do you have one, like a go-to that you recommend? Okay, so I, since moving, so I lived in New York for forever, and now I move, um, I'm out here in the Bay Area, and I'm in, like, Target land, and <laughs> I go to Target three times a week, but Target has, like, a whole wall of face masks, and they're only $3, and I just feel like 
that's the best treat possible. The whole yes to series. I don't know if you guys they like yes mm-hmm. to carrots, mm-hmm. yes to cucumbers. Those are so affordable and they come they make all different kinds of ones for your eyes and you know, for different skin problems and so I always stock up on those. I feel like they're fantastic. And then I do of course like hoard a couple of prestige um Lancome ones for like the once a month <laughs> real indulgent moment. Elizabeth, you have written about doing IVF, which yeah, of course I related to very much. Um, and I was just wondering if you could talk about, I guess if you want to talk about your story and in style that you wrote, or just kind of generally the IVF experience um, and how that affected you personally and professionally, how it affected your marriage. I know, you know, for me and my husband, it's been, it's, it's a big strain that, that it puts on a relationship. Um, so I would love to just sort of hear more about your experience. Of course. And I have to say, I'm so in awe of all that you have been able to share of your story in real time. I mean, I think that's so commendable. I, um, so many people, myself included, sort of choose this like weird suffering silence through it all. And I kept thinking when we were doing it, I really want to talk about this. I really want to write about it, but I just can't. It was too mm-hmm. scary. Unknowns were um, just too great. And I found the whole thing kind of suffocating. And so yeah. I followed you along. Congratulations. Oh, thank so you. <laughs> thank <so> you. <laughs> I really share. I mean, it's just so inspiring i really i feel my hat is off to you you. um matt and i you know our story (laughs) is a long one but we got we got married and we tried for a year and nothing was happening and we went for our sort of initial workup and it became um pretty clear quite quickly that we had male factor infertility um so my husband um has a chromosomal translocation that affects nothing but fertility it comes from his family and it was devastating. You know, I mean, I, as I said, I wrote an essay um, for InStyle about this last year, and my mom used to sort of threaten me with fertility. <laughs> Whenever I had a boyfriend in high school, she was like, I just want you to know that your father and I got pregnant on the first try. <laughs> it was sort of this like, you know, don't have sex or be careful. Yeah. Like, kind of like untoned to it. And so I had always assumed, I mean, always, that when I wanted a baby, I would be able to have one. Right. And so it was never a question in my mind. And so to find out, you know, that we had this um, pretty serious problem and, you know, we, I mean, we were lucky in our diagnosis and then it jumped us straight to IVF. We didn't do IUI. We didn't, you know, I didn't do Coleman or anything like that. It was Mm -hmm. just, we, everybody was like, you got to go straight to IVF and you got to do it now. And um, it was a long road. My first round, I got pregnant and I miscarried um, pretty late, uh, in my first trimester, and that was devastating. We did two more rounds with retrievals and transfers, nothing, and um, just sort of lost hope. You know, mm-hmm. spent so, so much money. Um, neither of our companies at the time offered much in the way of IVF coverage, and so we became these like hermits. You know, I didn't ever yeah. want to go out to dinner because I wanted to save that money, you know. And then I had, before IVF, I had this sort of like horrible phobia of hospitals and I actually kind of trace that back to when my mom was sick um, and when mm. she died because I just had such a horrible association that I just couldn't deal with any of it so very lucky in that my husband did not have that and 
he did all my shots for me, which was wonderful. Um, and in some ways it brought us closer, but the fights that we had during that time, I look back and we were just, we were so broken, you yeah. know, and so scared and so uncertain of what our future looked like. And we did all kinds of things. We went to an adoption orientation class and looked into that. We had a meeting with a counselor about using a sperm donor, if it was going to come to that. We sort of tried to pursue um, many different avenues at the same time. And what ended up working for us was we just switched clinics in New York. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of places you can do IVF. Yeah. And we had done three rounds um, and three transfers at one clinic. And um, I said, you know, like, let's try someplace new. And our fourth round um, with this new doctor, it was like, it was, it was a whole new experience. Mm-hmm. My body responded much better. And we ended up doing genetic testing, which for us was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had not done before. And we got two normal, I hate that word, but normal yeah. balanced embryos. And um, so my fourth transfer uh, yielded our first son. He was born in June 2015. And then our fifth transfer um, is our second son. And he was born in July 2017. So, I mean, all in these spent tens of thousands of dollars and I jacked my body with so many hormones and it was just really what a ride. I look back and I think I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. It was so heartbreaking at so many moments. And then, you know, I didn't really believe it until our first son Fitzgerald was born and I was holding baby. Um, I could actually be in my room. And then we walked to the hospital and I just, people... (laughs) I will say people are like, oh, my God, I know you worked so hard for this. Like, it's so great to be a mom. And I was, like, just so overwhelmed. I mean, I was just thinking, like, I'm so thankful to be here and to have this baby. And I didn't ever think this would happen. And it was just totally surreal. But my heart goes out to anybody who has to deal with it. It's just awful. And somehow the combination of, like, not having my mom here, Mm. like, not having a mom and trying to become a mom was just the hardest three years of my life. I was, I was glad that you mentioned the isolation because I think it's so hard when you're going through this to feel like anyone understands what you're going through. And then you also just, or at least I felt, I shouldn't say you, I, I felt like I didn't even want to put myself in social situations where I could suddenly be like triggered about something related to babies or kids and and I hated feeling that way I know because you feel like an awful person yeah. because you're like I, why do I hate babies and kids yeah, and I exactly. remember there was a moment at work where the two women that like the one that's next to me and the one that's behind me both of them announced they were pregnant within like a couple weeks mm-hmm. and I like I lost my mind I mean <laughs> I spent so much time crying in the bathroom because I was like I'm just surrounded yeah. by two pregnant women and I'm supposed to be enjoying this for them you right. know I'm supposed this is a happy thing for them and they're extremely excited and you know I can't fake it anymore mm-hmm. I had like one friend with two kids that I was able to like hold on to that joy and everybody else I just sort of I had a lot of fall by the way I just had to just put our friendships on pause for a little bit because I just yeah. I couldn't deal and then a lot of people have come to me since then and said, you know, I'm pregnant. And I want to tell my friend who's going through it. Yes, like, what do I do? And I always said the best way for anybody to tell anybody that they're pregnant is to text. 
because that gives the person on the other end a chance to process and to collect herself and then to come back with the joy that surely she wants to show you. I want, I wanted to be excited for my friends who are pregnant, but there was no way I could do it in real time. And so by texting, it was a way for me to process and then collect myself and then, you know, send a couple emojis back and kind of fake my way through it. But I hate when people like, I hate when people do it face to face or on the phone even because it's like, you just never know what's going on. Oh, totally. And it's just, it's a hard thing. Um, I mean, I even preferred email. Oh, yeah. I mean, even that. Yes. Because then then that's, I mean, that's like even more one step. Yeah, exactly. Totally process. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You don't see those three dots on your screen. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's really, and I also think like you're full of so many hormones and you're actually feeling yes. stuff. It's like you can't, you can't be expected to be your best self, no. not at all. And I just, I, everybody, you know, I, I didn't tell a lot of people what we were going through. And by doing that, you don't get the sympathies, right? Because nobody right. knows. It's like, what's wrong with you kind of thing. But my, my lesson there is that you never know what people are up to yep. and what they're trying to do. So just like be kind. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was so surprised when I started talking about it publicly, how many people came out of the woodwork to tell me that they had also done IVF. And I had no idea. These, these weren't like close friends, but kind of, you know, people I was friendly with who maybe I was Facebook friends with them and knew that they had kids and just, you know, why would I have known that they did IVF? But suddenly all these people were reaching out to me and it just kind of, affirmed that idea of you just don't know what people are going through. You never know. No, and then people would like, you know, want to know why you needed to do IVF. And I'm yeah. like, that's also none of your business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's just like, I would sometimes throw it out there as like a conversation stopper. You know, mm-hmm. like people would say like, Cause you, you know, are you trying to have kids? What's going on with kids? And I'd be like, we are, and it's taking us longer than we expected. And usually yeah. that would just, shut people up yeah. and then when people would keep asking questions it just drove me bonkers because I was like I don't really want to get into this with you and this is also like none of your business totally <laughs> and you get the feeling that they don't really care about you it's more they're satisfying their curiosity about something that they don't really know yeah. much about which is exactly. not a great feeling I like what does IVF entail and, yeah you know, thankfully in New York like you said, I mean, I knew so many people, not while we were doing it, but since we've done it. I mean, more women I know than I don't have had some sort of assisted reproduction. Yeah. And I was glad to always be sort of a sounding board and a, like a, a weird expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my friends who then had to deal with it later. Um, and it's a very common thing, but it's still, it's just talking about it is so hard. And, and Dory, what you and Matt have done, I just think. It's wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. What were some of your self-care practices in, in during those three years, especially because it sounds like you were also dealing with, you know, um, feelings of grief I and mean, trying to become a mom. You mentioned well, not having your mom present. I'm curious, what, what did you do to take care of yourself and kind of get through? Well, I ate a lot of ice cream. Good move. <laughs> you know, but my acupuncturist was like, nothing cold. And I was like, okay, well, the Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> they just really want cold. you to be like, like drinking bone broth by the gallon, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> like always wearing socks. Always. Yeah. <laughs> like, socks. I'm like, good Lord. No, my husband would do my shots and then literally like escort me over to the armchair and then come to me with like a pint of Ben and Jerry's with a spoon in it. And like, 
that, I mean, that meant the world to me. And I didn't eat the whole pint every night, but like just knowing that like I could sort of drown my sorrows in food, um, it was unhealthy, but it was sort of like whatever it takes. And I was, I mean, everybody talks about the financial soul of, um, IVF. It's so real. I mean, it's so, so real that I was so afraid to spend money to do things. But when we did decide to, to my husband had to go to Hawaii for a work thing, which, and I was like, I'm coming with you. Like, okay, your ticket is paid for. So like, we'll just buy mine. And those, those moments, those indulgences felt really special because we didn't spend money do fun things, you know, in our normal life. And I think that, that, you know, before you have kids, before you know that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, you think a lot about your relationship and what it will look like if it's just the two of you, mm-hmm. you know, for the rest of the time. Yeah. I, mean, we, I don't know if your consent form, our consent forms always, we had to sign something and I knew that, you know, the show, we knew that the possibility of child-free living was, was, was ours, you know I mean? That was sort of the default, and that's what they called it, you know, instead of, like, you won't be able to have a baby, they called it child-free living. And so we talked a lot about child-free living and what we would do. And so there was some self-care in that hypothetical planning of what we would, what our lives mm-hmm. would look like yeah. if we weren't able to become parents and, and becoming sort of okay with that if that was our path. And what my therapist really helped me understand in that time is that families are made in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. And so if we wanted to be parents, we could be parents. It might not be how we expected. And that's sort of a theme of my whole life. It's like expectations are a huge thing for me that I've had to learn to like let go and just know that I will have a, a full and joyful life. It might not be how I scripted it. And certainly it has not been, but it can be even better. Um, and that was a real form of self-care, that, that therapy and those discussions, and um, it was really important, and I think helped us through it. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, don't, I, I do think, I mean, Dory, we talk about it now a lot, and you mm-hmm. talk about it so much with Matt, but it still is a conversation that isn't had that much. Yeah. Well, and, I, and Dory, too, I think, you know, you're... you're at this, you know, coming to this big moment and it's so exciting and so joyful. But I also was hit with postpartum depression um, mm. after the first one and people had an even harder time. Some of my friends, I feel like, didn't quite understand because I was supposed to be so happy yeah. because I had worked so hard to have this baby. Yeah. And why wasn't I so happy? And, I, you know, I'm a very, <laughs> I'm a very type A person and lack of sleep was really hard for me. And, you know, trying to understand this like screaming potato <laughs> I brought into the world. <laughs> I was trying to get, you know, I was trying to wrap my arms around it. And I, you know, uh, and people were like, gosh, are you just obsessed with him? And I'm like, um, you know, I'm really, I'm trying here. And, you know, thankfully it was, it was pretty mild for me and it was pretty brief, but just know that like people mean very well, Yeah. but to, this will be your own journey. You know, as you learn what kind of mom you want to be, you've got to sort of give yourself a space and tune out the, the well, <laughs> the well-meaning mm-hmm. voices that are also out there because I have to sort of add some, gravity to the, the giving birth moment, I feel like. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, this has been so wonderful to get to talk to you. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you and follow you in the internet world? 
Oh, of course. I'm on Instagram at eHolmes. And if you want to catch up on so many thoughts, all of my SMTs, as I call them shorthand, are archived on my um, on my profile page. And if you want to read my work, uh, that my website is by elizabethholmes.com. We will be there. Yes. This is such a pleasure, Elizabeth. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. So how did picking up your clothes go? It's going so well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Really? It's going a lot better, although I do have a little pile today that I didn't get through. Okay. I find like at night, I just want to throw my clothes on the floor. I don't want to be putting them away. So yeah. Throw them on the floor and get in bed. So in the morning, I have to like consciously kind of tidy everything up, but it has gone well. Like for the first time in a while, I don't have like a mound of laundry that needs That's to be amazing. put away in my bedroom. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Good. I'd Yay. like to keep it up. So, speaking of clutter. Yeah. Yeah. This is a thing that really helps. Well, and it's the thing where it's like, 
putting away your clothes in the morning takes three minutes. Oh, it's the thing if where you're that, like, you let it go for three weeks. And then when you do it, you're like, why didn't I? Just, yeah. Why didn't I just do this? Yeah. So yeah. I hear you. How is meal planning going? That was you your know, intention last it's week. It's actually going pretty well. Um, Look at us. I know. What? I have been like thinking more about what I'm going to eat and planning ahead. And so I'm not like, oh, no, I have nothing to eat for lunch. Guess I'll order takeout. Um which has been good. And I made a big vat of some stuff the other day that was like a, like a rice bowl kind of thing. And I've been eating that. And I made another, I made something else for dinner last night that will be leftovers for dinner tonight. And it's just, it's been good to kind of get back in that rhythm of cooking and thinking about like what I'm going to eat. So yeah, it's been going well. And I also, I've started writing it down on my to-do list, what I'm going to eat the next day. Your nightly list. My nightly list. Oh, isn't that cool? So it's like, oh, Wednesday, lunch will be these leftovers. Dinner, I'm going to make X, Y, Z. And then I can kind of think about like, do I need to go food shopping? Like, I am not... I, I We live around the corner from a grocery store. So picking up a couple of things is not a big deal. Um, and... I always think about like in Europe, they have like small stores that are, you know, you go to the butcher, you go to the produce store, like you go to all these little places and you go like almost every day, you go to the bakery, you get a fresh loaf of bread. It's not this mentality of like going to the grocery store once a week and buying a shit ton of stuff. Yeah. And I do try to do that. Like just pop over to the grocery store and get a couple things that I need. I prefer that to the big trip where I end up buying stuff that I don't actually need. Sure. Um, so, I don't, you know, I don't know. So that's, yeah, so that's been happening, but it's been going pretty well. Well, that is a wonderful segue into my intention this week. Hit me. Which is to stick with the meal planning that I have now done consistently for two weeks. Oh my goodness. And I will share, I, you know, I can share a Google Doc to show listeners how I do it. But speaking of organization, this kind of helps me yeah. stay on top of... It just gives me one less thing to be like stressing about every day. Mm -hmm. Remember how President Obama w had wore somebody the, wore the same clothes yes. every day so he didn't have to think about it? Mm -hmm. That's kind of what meal planning is to me. And I'm writing down um, kind of the ideas for breakfast. So like this week, we're having like overnight oats and chicken sausage. Mm -hmm. and so in the morning, it's just there. I also make myself a vat a weekly vat mm -hmm. or a bi-weekly mm -hmm. vat. Mm -hmm. Currently, it's spaghetti squash with a meat sauce that's sitting in your refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And then I have our dinners all planned out. And I, and then I form a grocery list off of that. And I feel like it's kind of also reducing what I'm spending at the grocery store. So that's awesome. If I need to stick, it's feeling good. I got to see it through another week. Yeah, great. How about you? So... There's like a cabinet of doom. This made me laugh. Cabinet of doom. I know those cabinets. In our living room. I have one. That is filled with like old newspapers with my old clips. Oh, gosh. Boxes of photos that I never went through. Mm -hmm. Like just... It's the cabinet my, of doom. My dog's, my old dog's ashes. Like there's just like oh. a bunch of random stuff in there. I need to go through it. Matt wants to get rid of the whole cabinet because we need to be like moving some stuff around. Um, so I need to, I need to just like open it up and start going through it. 
I need to face the doom. I need to face the doom. And I bet it will be like one of those things where you put it off and put it off. And then when you do it, it's faster and less painful than it feels like it's going to be. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you. Would you display your old dog's ashes? Yeah, we like... You know, Matt used to work in a funeral home mm-hmm. and he was like, why don't you have an urn for these? <laughs> They've been in like a cardboard box. I know. My mom had like <laughs> our dog's dead dog's ashes in like a styrofoam McDonald's-esque container yeah. for decades. Yeah. I just need to get like a nice urn to honor Lee's memory. Yeah. My cat lives in our living room. I mean, are my dead cat's ashes? Yeah, sure. I should clarify. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Cleo. Um, All right. Well, yeah. let's tackle that closet of doom. If you need a cheer cabinets yes i'll come cheerlead oh thank you i'm gonna hang out today all right stand and watch you and make comments (laughs) well keep that copy of the new york observer (laughs) yeah i'll be the worst influence those ashes don't need an urn put them back in that cabinet well friends we would love to hear how you stay organized or don't stay organized uh you can call us at 781-591-0390 or email us at forever 35 podcast at gmail.com you can join our facebook group facebook dot com slash group slash forever 35 podcast and the password is serums and if you like our show please leave us a review on ye old apple podcasts and tell a friend and if you really like us mention us on social media and just a reminder that everything we mention is always on our website forever 35 podcast.com and you can follow us on instagram at forever 35 podcast and on twitter at forever 35 pod and forever 35 is hosted and produced by dory shafrir and kate spencer and produced and edited by sammy junio lane hammer is our assistant bye 